Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Raging Buffalo podcast. Are we on the 16th or the 17th? 17th. Definitely, yeah, we did 16th last week, didn't we? That's insane. That means we've been going for maybe three, four months now. Oh, we've been going for about four weeks, yeah. About four four weeks, weeks, yeah, about four months, yeah. (laughs) Well, there, there, thereabouts. Right. Yeah, we started back in February, didn't we? That's it. Is it? February for sure. February yeah. and I went away for Bali and we just got really drunk. And we oh, we were absolutely smashed. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we just got really smashed, didn't we? Yeah, I did like four, five episodes on the bounce in one week and now we're on our 17th episode. Yeah, so if you're wondering, don't go back and listen to the first five episodes unless oh, you want to hear maybe two very smashed British people. Well, the, the, the one with the untitled... The entitled was pretty good. The entitled was good for a bit of history, how the name came about and yeah. everything like and the, that. And the rugby, the rugby line, a rugby yeah, club, yeah. that's a good one. And good we one, recently recapped that last time, yeah, we did, did we, last episode. 16 episodes. So if you want an update on what's happening with the rugby, check out episode 16 of the podcast. Anyway, I would just like to... So, uh, who are you? I'm Connor. And I'm Tom. <laughs> and welcome back. We've got a very special guest with us today. Jow, is that right? We had a little bit of a discussion about your name earlier. Sounds so okay. say sounds we, perfect. Yes, yeah, sounds ja, perfect. Jow works really well. Yes. Okay, so the, the name that I had, so the, the one that we put on the banner was uh, Jow Mendez. Jow Mendez, yes. Yeah, yeah. But you changed your name. Yeah. Just Jow now. Yeah, Jow makes, yeah, I changed my name. I used to be Jow Rage. That's my last name, but it sounds even well, worse to pronounce. So I just make the change to Jow Mendez. Okay, okay. Just to make things simpler. Mm. All right, cool. All right. And Jow Mendez, what are you? I'm a traveler of this time. I don't know, but the new 3.0 nomad, this new trend of travelers, I would say. A new trend time of travelers. Because travel. one thing, so the, the, the thing that, we, that excited myself and Connor was you approached us and the first thing we saw was you're a sustainable nomad. Yes. And I mean, I know sustainability. I mean, I, I, as I say, I'm, a, I'm an architect. I do a lot of design work. I work with sustainability, renewability, right. materials, uh, cool. upcycling. I'm quite sure you must be. You must know the book. Uh, what's it called now? I forget. It's a book about upcycling anyway. Right. And the first, the first book was made with a an upcycled rubber cover, oh. and the pages inside were recycled newspaper or whatever. And it's it's since changed because it's because it's a bit old now, and the oh, it's still upcycled materials. But anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> so, Joe, tell us why why did you come to Chiang Mai in the first place? Let's get a bit let's get to know. Him. Yeah, a little bit. But first, I just want to talk to the audience for a second. I apologise for the echo. We're in a big open lounge. We're in a cave. <laughs> we're in a cave. Thai cave. Thai cave doesn't sound good. <laughs> we're, on, we're on tour. We're, we're in a cave in, in the in, in the islands. Raging Buffalo on tour again. Before we were Are in we a coffee in, shop, and now we're in a cave. We're in a cave in the. We could be in. There's a really cool cave. In fact, if you, I don't know if you've been there, Jiao. There's a Chengdao or no, 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 no. This is. A, I think this is a really cool cave. It's not Chengdao. Chengdao is about an hour and a half drive from Chiang yeah. Mai. Yeah, this one is called Mung Ong Cave. Oh, and it's in Chiang Mai. Oh, it's close by. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And funnily enough, have you ever seen monkeys in Chiang Mai, Jiao? No. Well, there's monkeys there. Oh, ah. I didn't realize there was wild monkeys only until. January time this year, I went because my, my parents came over for a holiday, uh, and we when when they were over, we took them around, and I said th- I said to my partner, I said, should we go to this cave Mungong? Because I've I've always been in, in, excited about. Well, I like caves. I like caves. <laughs> Who doesn't like a cave, right? Caves are cool. <laughs> and I saw this sign saying, "Oh, Mungong caves." I thought, oh, should we go there? You know, give them something different. We and you've not seen it either. No, no, no. So well, let's go. And we were driving up the mountain to get to the entrance of the cave. And all of a sudden we see these, uh, what sort of, I can't remember what the type of monkeys that are. 
the Maki. Maki, Maki I, monkeys, I, I think. It could like be. Some, the same ones they have in Bali, right? I think there's small yeah, one, yeah, there's ones. Yeah, small monkeys. Yeah. I'd seen them all jumping about and re- uh, my partner she didn't even know that we had monkeys in Chiang Mai <laughs> so because she, she comes from Lockbury so when you go down there, there's loads of monkeys mm. like loads of oh, masses of them so not just elephants didn't realise the word but oh, yeah, that's good to know. Monkeys, not just elephants then not just elephants yeah yeah not just not just I don't know what else we had lizards yes geckos <laughs> and snakes we did, we did see a snake on the road today huh? we are just driving just for no, the snake oh, a big just lizard come. No, no, just a snake, a snake, snake, snake. green snake. snake. Yeah, the house that I used to live here. So the first year I lived here in Chiang Mai, uh, I was in a house 40 minutes away from here, mm. like a big garden and by the by the lake. And we have a, actually a snake living on a tree just in front of us, like a like a pet snake, I would say. Mm. Uh, those are the green ones that are you know fancy. There's, there's no venom, but they go up the trees and they hunt yeah, yeah. and then they come back. She had some babies and it was really kind of fun to have like, cool, a pet snake been in a different country where you have snakes all over the place yes uh, no, yes. I couldn't tell my parents about that of course <laughs> it's a madhouse in Thailand for, for animals yes. if you're going around there's so many things that you see and you go oh. and unfortunately you eat them also right they kind of eat everything here have so. you eaten a scorpion? No, no, I'm I'm vegan, so I'm definitely oh. not eating. Oh, sorry, so, sorry, sorry. No, I'm, 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 You're I'm a vegan scorpion. No, no. no. I, the, the thing is, I'm safe here because you know we have to come here to try all the exotic stuff, right? Mm. But I'm I'm safe because no, no, I cannot try because of my religion, right? So I oh, I don't try. Come see, come see. I mean, there's lots of different fruits and vegetables here as oh, well yes. to try. There's, there's, I've thrived on that. Well, tell me about it. the fruit here mm-hmm. is insanely good. That's when you you know that when you go back back home oh yeah then you see oh my god i miss those yeah. mangoes and the special mangoes they have here well, and papayas and so and this this season we've got so we've got uh lamiai you know yeah. lamiai that's the the round yeah very small so mm-hmm. it's smaller than small than small than lynchy yes. the lynchy season's just finished mm-hmm. we're into the lamiai now we've got longong Long-gong, a bit delicious a bit a bit Love it. a bit sour sweet mm-hmm. beautiful things uh, the Love dragon it. fruit i don't yes. know what it's called in thai yeah i eat it every day but I'm not, that's just coming season now mm-hmm. as well i'm not really a fan of dragon fruit no i, I love like dragon it. fruit I like. it's so easy to eat just yeah, cut it in half and get a spoon and get at it i just yeah, don't it like the, i don't like the tech i don't, I don't know I, just, I think it's a bit for me it's a bit of a dull flavor oh but there's so many delicious fruit mangoes in season as Mango well season and then you've got jackfruit avocado on. is also now here so yeah avocado's in I, season now as I well eat avocado every day so mm. that's delicious avocado yeah, that you have to love but, this place. Ah, but we talk about avocado, and you're a sustainable nomad. Yes. And avocado is not very sustainable. How? As far what as do you mean? Well, there's been a lot of news in the last last year or so mm-hmm. about over overproduction of avocados, and because of that, it's taken a lot of the wildlife away. In yeah. Australia, they've got oh, a big problem with it. All right. Um, I know that up in US, I don't know about Australia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know a bit of Australia because I used to live there and people there are mad for avocado. And you get this information, I get it drip fed through through all of the social media outlets. Yeah. And and then through the you know normal normal but, news. But that's news an issue with everything, well. right? Because it's a huge population. So if, if there is a big trend, there's a focus on something, there's going to be over something of something, right? There's now is a meat problem, uh, wheat and, and, and corn, yeah, yeah. of course. Now it's avocado, palm oil. Yeah, we palm know. oil, yeah. So that's because it got so famous and people start to use it in all yeah. products and the industry. So it's very going to be very difficult to have something, even if it's very healthy, not to be overproduced somewhere. Yeah. So like um, you need to address the overproduction in a different way, not from a consumer side, if it's healthy, of course, and if it's local. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying if it's local, yeah. right? If you want to, if you want to have papayas and mangoes in Europe, that's another issue. Yeah, yeah. But if you are buying something local and it's just too many people locally yeah. eating, 
then you have to address the overproduction a different way on the production side. Yeah, of course. And that's so I, avocados, again, if they're local, then in Portugal, for example, there, there's now local avocados. So oh, yeah? every time I go there, when I go and buy avocados, I check that they are the local ones in yeah, Al- yeah. In, from the south in Algarve. Mm. There's the other imported ones, but I skip those and I go to the local to the local options. Yeah. I say I'm, in Portugal, there must be a lot of green grocers. Got uh, green grocers. Yeah. Uh, where you can just buy vegetables and fruits. Mm-hmm. Like, like in, in Britain. It's funny, you know, when I when I lived in Leeds, I tell I'm going to the green grocers. And my friends that had never really lived in village, I, I came from a village situation. So you got green grocers, this, that, and the other. And when I was at university, I found the green grocers and then you, you find the markets. But generally speaking, if you want local produce, you're better off going to your local green grocers. Yeah. And they always have. And local a, markets, street yeah. markets. Yeah. And they, they always have fresh produce and it's always locally sourced and it's, it's wonderful for. For the, for the local economy. Yes. That's, that, that's one of the things we say when we talk about sustainable travel, because we are, in the way we travel, it's kind of slow traveling. So we do spend some time in places. Yes. So if you have time to go to groceries, you have got to go to local markets. So our advice is always try to go to the local places yeah. and check out that they are not being imported because even the local super street markets sometimes have imported stuff. Yeah. So just, especially in Europe, here it's definitely local. So, uh, by the way, you touched something really important there. About traveling, yes, and, this, and something not so much about sustainable uh, travel, but just about traveling itself. Yes. Something that I advocate and that I, I do myself. If you want to get to know a place, you have to stay in the area. When you see the, these people that backpack for six months or whatever, and they go all around the world, they go, oh, yeah, I've been to all these cool places, and oh, this place is really cool. And I'm going, You don't even know the people there, you've no idea what it's like to live. Like, okay, for me, I had a big gripe with New Zealand. All right, New Zealand is not a place that's livable. It's a rich man's paradise and a poor man's hell. Oh, that's that's first, per- first person that I hear because everybody that. that goes there, the, the architecture is horrendous. Oh. Do you know it's the it's somewhere like the fourth worst or t- eighth worst place in the world for asthma because of the in-house living conditions. Oh, because it's so wet and then it's so dry and the buildings they're not double they're not insulated they're not double skinned they're not three hundred mil thick walls they're not aired properly they've got it's poor understanding of technology. Oh. All over the country. Yeah. Like. Oh, lots of it. That's why they've got... When I was there, I was selling um, HRV, which is heating, recovery, ventilation. Okay. And it... <laughs> a bit of a spiel here now. I don't like selling stuff that I don't agree with. But you see it in so many homes there. There's so much mold, black mold, cancerous pores. Of course. And you wonder why there's so much bad health there. It's because of the living conditions. And people will go there for two weeks and go, it's amazing. I want to live there. And yet the South Island, it's, all, it's beautiful. The, the nature is incredible. But the infrastructure is so poor. There's one train that goes between Washington, uh, Wellington, sorry, Wellington. and Auckland every day. One train between the two biggest cities. But, but I thought the people would be more like outdoorish there. So they spend a lot of time outside and wouldn't that compensate for Well, that? it throws it down for about a good four months a year. It's a bit like Chiang Mai. Oh, it's not. It's not like. It's not like a full year not, of summer, like it's the not Caribbean even or, something. or something. You know, or like, it's it's very very wet for a lot of the year, very cold for a lot of the year, and then for four months maybe it's sunny, and they forget all about the rain, oh. and then they go back into the rain and they go, oh my house is terrible, and oh no, and when you live, I lived there for for a year, <coughs> so you really get to know. Of course. Sorry. Sorry about that. I just, I just punched. I just punched the. the You're nervous. You're very energetic. You did like a time there. <laughs> but you get to know the sort of environment that you're in. And likewise, when I was living in in, Auk, in in Melbourne, 
Melbourne. No, that's, uh, the, that's the nation you're looking for. It's, 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 a, it's a great place. I've got a few gratitude, but it's a wonderful place. Cold yeah. at winter, I know, but... Uh, uh, sorry? Cold at winter, but but still okay in summertime, right? It's freezing in winter. Yeah. Right. That's five degrees, but it feels like minus yeah. five, ten, because oh. of the wind, oh. the chill factor. Wow, it's so windy. That's Australia is so windy. You see, it's on the coast. It's on the coast. So if you're on the... And you're living on the coast, it's very windy. In Sydney, it's very windy. When it's hot... In Melbourne, when it's 40 degrees outside and it's blowing a wind, blowing a gale as well, it's windy. It is boiling. You feel like you're in an oven being baked. Oh, that's everyone <laughs> is telling us to go to Byron Bay because it's much warmer and it's more sustainable and there's a lot of uh, green initiatives there. Is it? If, well, yeah, uh, a little probably we'll expensive and posh. I don't know. I'm not sure. A lot of. <laughs> you've been... There's a. Australia's got a few initiatives. I understand that there's some building and understanding as well where they're doing subterranean buildings. So it means that you don't need heat and, and cooling because if you're if you're five meters below below ground level anyway, you're insulated from the ground and you, it's the same five five meters below. It's constant throughout the whole Earth, majority majority of the Earth's crust. So if you go down into uh, into the Earth instead of having a house built up, you've already already reduced your footprint by so much. Yeah, the only thing you have to offset is the amount of energy it takes to dig the hole. And also humidity issues because there's more infiltrations if you are under the ground, right? I would say. Mm, as long as it's insulated properly. Yeah, that, yeah. I guess that you have more. But you should be right, you should be alright for humidity underground because if it's if it's cool, you're, you're alright. Yeah. As long as it's, as long as you've got that protection against the the soil, you're alright. It's like a cellar, cellar environment. I see. So how right. did you find yourself in Ch in Thailand? Yeah, so I've been traveling. I, I left Portugal in 2010. That's when I started to travel. Mm -hmm. That's when we start to travel, me and Sarah. And yeah. um, we've been slowly traveling. We like to stay in places for a while. We stayed in London for two years, Caribbean for almost two years, Brazil almost three years. Wow. So we do stay in those oh. in the places. As, Sounds amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. like and now. And then yeah, we decided to move to Asia for a yeah. while to try a little bit of this Asian uh, culture. Yeah. Well, Exotism, and um, yeah, we're looking for a good place to stay. And Chiang Mai, a lot of people started to say oh, Chiang Mai was amazing, and there was a, a nice crowd of um, digital nomads too. Which, because we are turning to digital nomadism lifestyle, because we're just nomads, then and then we become digital nomads. <laughs> and also because we wanted to learn about Buddhism, so um, uh, we thought this would be a great place for us to explore that. Oh, yeah. uh, how, how many? By the way, you, you you understand Thai language now, right? To a degree. To a, to no degree. To no degree. To no degree. All right. So you've not spoken to any of the Thai people about Buddhism. I've spoke with them about Buddhism, but using the ones that speak English. And do they know much about Buddhism? Uh, the locals, not so much. Which is uh, mental. Yeah. Ninety-five percent of the population are Buddhist, and yes. they don't know anything about the religion. That's true, but it's not, Buddhism is not exactly a religion. So there's. It not, is a definitely religion. No, technically, technically, not a religion. There's no God. There's not. There, it's there. definitely a religion. All right. It's so sycophantic. They use it as a religion, but technically, it's not a religion. That's what I meant to say. No, the but, practice in itself is but, a religion. But 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 let, let, yeah. But obviously, not a religion. It's contradictory. Buddhism is about is about the opposite of religion. Yeah. So, but <laughs> definitely not. But but it's definitely it's used. Not, about the opposite religion. It's definitely. Sorry, mate. I've got a Thai family <laughs> over here, and they're and they're Buddhists, and. They'll always give food to the to the monks and to the and and go and pray and they'll always if it's against Buddhist Buddhism then you don't do it. It's a religion. Yes. It's a cult. Yeah. So so there, there's been a misuse, I, I guess, and that's all you're describing. And and I agree with that. I, I now that I know more about what I've seen here in, in Thailand, I'm not so 
into it so much, but mm -hmm. I like the values and all the other parts that I think are recommendable from, from Buddhism. For example, meditation. And even about food, because there's a, there's a big... Uh, so Buddhism has two big sects, you know, the Mahayana and Theravada. And here in Thailand is Theravada, which is not uh, technically uh, vegetarian. Well, the other sect is vegetarian because Buddha said that you should harm no animals or no 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 human no being, but mm. they they don't interpret that the same way. So so it's 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 again it's a big discussion. I don't think we need to go to this here. But exciting. I definitely came here to explore that, even if I'm not so impressed as, as I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Uh, because like you said, it became a religion in it a way. Uh, it was. It not, I, I don't think it was the original intention, but it became a religion. But I still like the part where I think the Buddhism has um, um, made these people uh, with the values from Buddhism are really interested on their on their lifestyle and yeah. their behavior, and I think that's partly due to Buddhism. Yeah. Uh, that's my interpretation. But again, if you speak with someone about the religion, they don't know much about it. They do have to do do mandatory or uh, kind of um, uh, six month. Uh, so they have to be cut. So when you turn eighteen, for yeah. we did a we did a, we did a program about this an episode because yeah. so I went down to Lobbery. And there was a child, well, he's 18, uh, a boy, that was becoming a monk. And you have to become a monk. Well, you don't have to, but if you do, it's a lot of respect for the family. Yes. And it's very respectful for your culture. and It's tradition, right? Yeah, it's tradition. So when you, once a boy turns 18, generally speaking, they'll do at least two weeks as oh, a monk. So two weeks. Just two weeks okay. as a monk. And it might go on for months, it might go on for a year. Yeah, I thought but I heard it was... generally speaking, it's two weeks. Okay. Uh, because it costs a lot of money and this, that, and the other, and, and they need to start working and, and what have you. It's, it's more to do with maybe the economy and, and this, that, and the other now. But they okay. do it for two weeks at least. Right. And when they do, well, you can listen to the episode. It must be episode, what, eight? What are we 10? on now? 17? It was like episode 16, 10 or something 15? like that. No, most earlier than we'll that. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Yeah. All right. We did the episode anyway. We talked about <laughs> the, the protocols that they go through and all that, this and the other. And um, it's, all, it's all very interesting. And everybody in Lotbury, at least, all over Thailand, it's done differently. Okay. All, over, yeah. all over Thailand, the idea of becoming a monk is done differently. Right. And in Lotbury, in the, in the, in the, in the central center, part of center. Thailand, mm -hmm. it's a very big event. It's a huge party. It's massive. Everybody comes, they, they invite all of the all of the locals down, all the villagers, and they all have this big party. There might be 200, 300 people there, and they, food, they feed all of the guests, and it's a big party. Yeah. Massive they turn, party. They turn 18, so it's like an important <clears throat> they, yeah. moment they of their lives. Yeah. You know, becoming a part of the community as well, yeah. I guess. And, I think, and maybe, I don't know, but I have a feeling that becoming a monk for a couple of weeks means that you, you center yourself and you think about what you want to do. Maybe you want to become a monk, mm -hmm. or maybe... You, you realize something. She's just meditating quiet for a lot of it. Something that I'd be, I'd be great at doing. Nope. No, <laughs> no, do you not think? Uh, you said to yourself, and you meditate, and you, and you get to know maybe about what you think you could be and what you could do. So think deeper I think it could future. be a very good thing, you know? Yeah. It's better than going to the army when you're 18, yes. like they do in some countries, which is mental. Oh, in, in Thailand, do they do that as well? They have to take like a draw. Is it mandatory? Or oh, they take a draw, like it's like a random decision. Yeah, wow. you get like a certain... I'm going to say card for the sake of argument. If, if you get like this certain card or something, you have to join the military for oh. a few years or something. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, know that. Okay. 
yeah, that's that's not fun. All right, so that was well, not that, but Buddhism anyway. was definitely a, a reason why we came here. And the other yeah. one, like I said, was to because we wanted to to be digital nomads, so we wanted to be close to a lot of digital nomads, so we could learn with them. Mm. So that was why we chose Chiang Mai specifically to to live here in, okay, in Asia. Yeah. It's, it's the creative and more electronic capital of Thailand, isn't it? Really, Sorry, I heard. Yeah. So we'll mm. go with that. We'll fly with that. Yeah, I uh, heard. Uh, nothing. So, that so you came here, and, and Sarah, we we haven't uh, addressed her yet. She's your uh, your partner that you yeah. travel around with, and yes. she's a part. She's a sustainable nomad as well. Yes, is she not? Yeah, she doesn't yeah. eat meat. She doesn't do all this sort of stuff. And no, she she left Portugal at the same time in 2010. We left together, so mm. we have been doing that for some years. Yeah, and have you been up to one one question? I'm I'm well. I always find it so easy to find meat. But to find a vegan meal hmm. is another thing. How it, easy have you found it throughout the seven years that you've been doing this? So I've been vegan for four. Okay. I actually became vegan in Brazil, okay. which was a big challenge because it's a... There's a lot of meat. Yeah, a lot of barbecues. Meat-eating culture. Massive, yeah. Yeah, so that was a good challenge. Yeah. So in a way, if I could be vegan there, I could be vegan everywhere, right? That's, okay, okay. that's kind that's of... A good, that's a good way to think but, about it. But the funny thing is that it was super easy to be vegan in, in Brazil because the steakhouses, yeah. they have amazing buffets. Okay. Where you have like everything from beans and lentils, so a lot of different proteins. Okay, okay, yeah. So that was easy there. But here in Asia, well, at least in Thailand, it's quite hard because mm. they use fish sauce on everything. Yeah. Um, and for them... You don't understand. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, you don't get it. It's okay. It's what it is, isn't they it? They cook with fish sauce and then they use chicken broth for most of the soups. And also for them, mm. not, um, not having meat is like, you know, they don't see the meat. So if it's minced meat, very small, you don't see it in food. Yeah, it's yeah. still fine. Well, even when they have a meal, they have like two or three pieces of meat. Yeah, for yeah. them, it's there's nothing wrong with that yeah it's still vegetarian so I struggle outside of urban areas so for example Chiang Mai is probably the city probably not I did that study Chiang Mai is a city in the world with more vegan options per capita so it's definitely a Great place to be if you are a vegan. Chiang Mai? Yes. I have noticed that there's an abundance. But it's so hard to find it. No, no. It's everywhere. Like, this street, like, I can... Oh, really? In the yeah. old city, just to specify. Mainly in this area, there's an abundance. Oh, yeah. Right. Here in Old Town. If you go to the if you go to the old... Not the old town, because the old town is very modernized, really. Yeah, but... Oh, the old, if you go to the original old, old towns, wow, finding <laughs> vegan food is <laughs> neon impossible. No, but I'll here... Tell you, I promise you, because everybody... It's all... It's, it's the oldie world, the traditions. Because hmm. the education is lacking sure. i'm sure we can say it's, it's behind a little bit and we talked about this already before mm-hmm. in another podcast about education um probably was saying there's there's this misunderstanding or mis- misconception of what is good for you and what isn't so every all, all the thai people that i meet that are part of the, the family and they, they're, they're the ones that cook they're like, oh yeah go on tom eat loads of food can you at night Die, die, die. And I'm but, like, I'm, I'm all right, I'm full. It's like when I went to the, when I go, go to an event with, with any soul time, and it's just me, because I'm the biggest one there. <laughs> Even though in, in, in England, I'd be the smallest one, <laughs> really the biggest. And they always make sure that I have all the food. <laughs> if there's anything left, give it to Tom. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go home. I went home from this, from this event down in Lockbury. I went home five kilograms heavier, or three kilograms, heavier, four kilograms heavier Jeez. than I was when I, when I left, when I, when I went down there. Because... They just pile all this food well, into you. Yeah, but the funny thing is that the the, the, the size of the food portions, right? Because if mm. you go to a, to a local restaurant and they serve you food, it's always a very small portion. So it's very yeah. common when I ask like the same food again. Okay, another one, and they look at me. No, no, it's fine. Just want another one. So I, so that's so I struggle 
with with vegetarianism and also the the, the size yeah. of portion. But again, I eat um, uh, it's th- many options here in Chiang Mai, and I also cook at home most of the time. We cook at home most of the time. Hummus. So, oh, you've been to the restaurant hummus, by the way. Yeah, that's very good. Isn't yes, it? That, that, is, is, um, that is bangy. It's one of it's very very delicious. Yes. And there's actually a restaurant close to that one, which isn't. Uh, it was it was called it's called Alchemy, and it was not vegan, and now they became vegan. Okay. So there's a lot of vegan new uh, new place in town. There's one Munchies, which is like a McDonald's vegan McDonald's. Munchies. Yes. Is that the place near? I don't suppose you can go by memory. Is it near the climbing place? It's, no, it's near Old Town, south west of Old Town. Near? Is it near the food market by Chiang Mai Gate? It's close to the food market. Yes. Uh, yeah, I know the one. I know the one. It's, so there's so there's that How option. Because I've seen it. I, I went the there again. It's still fast food. Oh. So, but it's good. It does taste like they, they even have mac and cheese. They have a lot of you know no, fatty, oh, yeah. indulgent. Yeah, like, Oh, so you have vegan cheese, I guess, for the mac and yeah, cheese. Yeah, they do vegan cheese. They yeah. use a vegan I mean, how cheese. How is vegan menu. cheese? I've never had... Yeah. It. What's it made from? It, it, well, it can be from cashew nuts. It can be from anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cashew nuts? Oh, you, you can, you can have... You, cashew nuts? You have vegan... Because, because they have milk. What about almond milk? You, you, don't, don't you have almond milk? You have almond. You, you have cheese? milk from cashew, right? So it's the same. Know. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you can buy on, uh, I don't on know. the supermarket. I've never heard of cashew, cashew yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, actually, yesterday, so... They very simply. You put in water... They I don't know. The, I don't know. Yeah. The local. It's like a mango. Yeah, the Whenever shape, I say it to the, the, the to, I was saying to my partner and, <laughs> and the mango. family saying, "Oh, the cashew nuts." And you go, "Oh, tom and wang." Oh, that's it. <laughs> All right then. But it's just like a mango. But you can make. Well, we did milk. Uh, so yesterday we just put uh, water. So cashew nuts on water uh, during the night. Next day you just blend them. You have milk. And then you can just let it stay, and then you can or you can ferment and make mm. cheese out of it. It's oh. and you can buy it on on uh, on some stores in in, in Chiang Mai. Oh, so there's yeah. many options for That's vegan cool. cheese. That's kind of easy. Um, and by the way, in in Thailand, if you are looking for nuts and for be- and for beans, they're all the same word. It's oh, the same word in Thai. Cow, right? No. And the cow? No, no. It's doa. Uh, doa. Doa. Yeah. yeah. I I. That's eat, just bean I, and bean and nuts. It's the same. I have the um, I have the dim sum. Every time with yeah. With I wonder, do you one. like? You must quite like the the soy milk drinks and the uh, tau tau uh, Have you tried them? The tau Yeah. Tau hu wan. Yeah, but it's. Mm, I don't know. No. It's, it's so it's a big thing. My, my Thai fans love it. Yes. Absolutely love it. Like Tom, give me some of that tau hu, and I'm like tau hu, tau hu. I don't like. It. I don't eat it because I think it's bad for boys. It's soy milk. Yes, and and oh yeah, also avoid like the bit soy. You know that, and, don't you? Hmm? You know that? No. Soy milk, yeah, it's yeah. Still, it reduces uh, your testosterone. Oh, yeah, the so, there, yeah. so there's some issues with hormones and yeah. balance and everything. But another thing is difficult here to be vegetarian or vegan is uh, to buy beans, for example. Yeah. They, we don't buy it in local markets, they don't have it. So for them, it's, it's soy and that's it. Mm. So we do struggle to be a little bit vegans here. But um, I wonder, Jown. Yes. I think, can you hear that? I think there's an advert coming along. What do you think? Here comes the advert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I've got this giant fridge and I can't get rid of it. It's really grinding my gears. What's that sound? It's the Chiang Mai crappy collection service. Can you get rid of my fridge? I can get rid of your fridge, I can get rid of those speakers, I can get rid of the wall, I can get rid of your ex-wife. But what happens to them after you take it away? We take them to the Chiang Mai crappy collection service unit and we crush them into a pulp and then recycle it as small ornaments on a table. Well that sounds very sustainable. Very sustainable. Well, can you take my fridge away? No problem. 
Oh, show me that junk in your trunk. Well, that was a cool advert, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait to go and get, get on that. And buy that thing. That we've <laughs> obviously, the, the, whatever the advert was about. The thing. Totally already done it. So, as everybody's aware, today we've got Jow. Yes. On the show. Oh, yeah. And Jow is all about sustainability. And he's all about, well, what's, do you like using the word sustainability? Because man, yeah. when, when I was at university, a lot of my, 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 my re sustainability lecturer hated the word. Yeah, of course. And he'd use the word upcycling or regenerative or any, any other word other than sustainable because the word sustainable doesn't, is a, is a bit of a non-word really because yes. it's used so much. Uh, technically, it's used so much and it's, it's overused for sure. And technically, it's very difficult to be really sustainable. Um, and I used, I used to have a teacher that said that uh, uh, sustainability are only the indigenous people that just they use their own resources and they and, and it and it actually sustainable. So in a in a urban environment it's quite difficult to be really sustainable. Oh yeah. Uh, but upcycling, I think I think it's important. It's it needs we need we need a word and we need to bring awareness. So if it's sustainability, if it's something else, upcycling, that's fine. Uh, for me it's fine. As long as we are talking about the subject, that's fine and we are trying. I've just got it. The book is called Cradle to Cradle. Oh yeah. That's the, the circular economy. Book. Circular economy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that sorry, that began with having a rubber cover and then it had a paper. That yeah, but, but that was upcycled with that book. Yes. A very, very good book is uh, Cradle to Cradle. Yeah, Cradle to Cradle. Th there's, a, there's a big, there's a lot of consultants about Cradle to Cradle, uh, mm -hmm. and it's very interesting because it, it should, all, all, all our industries should be thinking about being um, on Cradle to Cradle, on circle economy. Yeah. Uh, there's already some. I think Puma did um, some shoes that they, you can just compost them and then reuse on, on sweaters. So uh -huh. some companies are trying some projects, but I think we as consumers need to bring more awareness that this needs to be done. Uh, the same with mobile phones, to be able to recycle them better. What would so. you feel? This, this is a, a poignant question, really, because in society, there's, there's, we can all agree that majority of people are not, maybe not very well informed, we'll use that, that turn of phrase, mm -hmm. about what's happening, all right? And the people that are, that, uh, should be for definite are the ones at the top of the chain the government all right so surely because the problem is that in day-to-day -day society it's very easy to get where we're doing anything and if you've got a small company and you want to do something and you want to make sure you're saving money you'll scrimp and scrape and you'll do cheap stuff like in thailand use a lot of plastics it's cheap mm -hmm. cheaper than using paper which yes. is crazy so surely it should be the government that should implement it because if a government says, look, you can't do it, it's like in, like in California, where you can't use plastic bags anymore. And Bali. in New York, where you can't use polystyrene cups anymore. Mm -hmm. Surely it should be, the government should say, look, we're banning this material. You can no longer use this product with this material because it's such a bad thing for the environment. So as much as it is about every individual taking account for their own actions, sometimes really it takes a bigger authority to crack down and say, well, actually, you shouldn't use that. And we're, we're actually banning it. We're outright banning it, banning it. So even if it's a little bit more expensive for you, I don't care because it's better for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yes, I, I agree with you in, in, to some extent. I think it needs to be both ways because governments tend to be more reactive. And for example, Bali uh, also has banned plastic and everything and, and about single-use plastic, but they are in a very dire situation. Uh, so I think you need to be, uh, if, if you only think on the government, then as a consumer, you will just lay back and then wait for the governments to do. So we still, 
the, the market is is ruled by consumers mm. so we we set the rules so if, if we demand stuff the companies need to deliver so if we do that and at the same time the governments work side by side then it i think that's the right way to go but i don't think only the governments or without the governments it will work well, i agree with you i think we need to have them too for consumers to push it entirely it's in a country like a in asian country as well it's never going to happen it needs to be the government needs to take control because the problem is that in the West, people are very outspoken. We're very outspoken. Yes. You and I, and Connor to a lesser degree, <laughs> are very outspoken. But a lot of Asians, they're fed information, spoon-fed information, and they don't react because they have to save face. So for that to happen here, it's going to take... If It's now an impossible. It takes one, one authority to say, look, this is going to be outright banned. And then people follow suit because they're not taught how to argue or how to debate. So to say that it's very, it's good for a Western society. Yeah, it's going to happen in the West because people are outspoken and people know how to change society. Whereas here, people are told to be a certain way. Yeah, yes, yes, that's true. But but at, at the same time, um, if, if it's only force like the government normally does, sometimes there's not enough alternatives. So the, the, the impact in society is quite big. Uh, whether if it's from the consumers, then there's more time to adapt because this, the solutions will be found. And if you if you're saying that Asia um, is is not going to do that because well they're not as spoken as we are, but Asia in a way um, they tend to look at West and try to import a lot of the, the, our behaviors and the, the way that we do things. So let's imagine that the West becomes completely well, out of plastic and super sustainable and that becomes trendy and everyone does that. So that will be imported also here. So also the consumer behavior. And, and I, I, I always give a good example that with organic food. So um, the, the, the new reach or the people that are from a lower um, well, part of, of society, they tend to imitate rich, right, wealthy. And, and so that's why they, become, they buy cars and buy houses as soon as they can, because that's what they saw people doing. But with, with organic food, it's the same now, because now it's so trendy to have organic food in, in, in big cities. Now th that's copying. So now you see the, the organic food being more cheaper, cheaper and more available even for other parts of society. So I think that if we as consumers, wherever we are in parts of society, if we try to do our best, We'll probably help other consumers do the same, wherever they are. You do the same realize yeah, that with the stamp organic. Yes. In Europe, okay, yeah, it's viable. It's viable. <laughs> it's when when I know that I buy a product in Britain, let's say, and it's organic. I know it's organic. If I buy a product that's organic in in Australia, I do not know it's organic. Right. And even into Asia, even less so, because the regulations out there. If you understand the politics behind everything, it's just I've called it organic. Oh, but it's not. Here's a thousand baht. Yeah, it's organic. It's that simple. See. So things over here are a lot less mm -hmm. transparent. No pesticides. Not it's exactly a, no, organic. Not it's a lot less uh, in, uh, regulated. Mm, yes. So they're starting to crack down on, on immigration to a degree here. But yes. the regulations for everything are made enforced. So, it's such a corrupt environment. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying nowhere else is. But Thailand, it doesn't just stay with the top. It goes all the way down to the small, to the, to the little man. I see. I understand. I understand it, but but at the same time, it's still better than nothing to some extent. You probably don't get 100% organic or everything you buy, but you're more likely to get organic food from organic market than the non-organic market. One thing I want to put my two cents in here a bit. I was watching a documentary the other day, and California, one of the biggest sort of, they're really big on this organic yes. food, this and the other. 
a lot of the markets out there, they are actually getting their food from the same manufacturer, mm-hmm. taking the stickers same. off, and then the people are coming over. It's like, oh, is this organic? Yes. And if you go around the corner, there's crates and crates and crates. And they're all coming from the same wholesale manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to really monitor what's going on with that. And they do send the, like, the occasional people to go in and check to make sure that everything's coming from the right source. But it's more... You know, it's, it's harder to keep track of what everybody's doing there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, that's true. And and, and the thing, the, the good example I had from Brazil, Brazil had, have, have two layers of organic certification. One is the official one that goes through the, the main entities. And the second one is is done by the pairs. So, so they have like um, internal certification between the producers because they, they kind of check each other. Because if you are not organic, if you're not doing the right thing, they'll know you. They'll know that you are not doing that. So they'll check on you. So they use that, that theory. And as far as I know, and I've been, I've, I've met a lot of people related to this and, and, and certification, everything. As far as I know, it's working really well. And I know that Europe is considering importing this method too. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be organic, really, and if your neighbor is not, you don't want it to be found because then your products will be undermined. So there's ways going around it, but like you guys said, it's not perfect, it's not a perfect world. There's a lot of deceiving everywhere, there's a lot of greenwashing everywhere. But but it's better than what was before. Now, we've been talking a bit about sustainability in other countries and what have you. Yes. And in Thailand, I feel the funny thing is that I think that Thailand is more set up for being renewable and sustainable and green and all these other words that you want to use to put into it. It can be or recycling or just stepping away from from bad materials. So plastic is a bad material. Bad oh, material. It's a, it's a needed material. <laughs> well, I think the sick of... A hundred years prior, people got by without it. Anyway. True. I digress. <laughs> Thailand is very set up for being renewable, for being green, for being sustainable because there's so much bamboo for a start. Bamboo is a brilliant material. Yes. And what can you get from bamboo? You can get bamboo straws. That's a very, very... That's that's just come from the ground. It doesn't take long for bamboo to grow. And if there was... I would love to see if... So if some of the bars in towns, the big clubs, I would love to see them instill a bamboo policy. A no plastic straw policy. Not metal straws, because that's ridiculous. It could, because if you're in a bar, if you've got a club, if you've got a nightclub and you've got plastic uh, metal straws, that's expensive... They're dangerous. Um, they're, they're not biodegradable. It takes a long time to biodegrade. If you've got bamboo straws, well, you've just completely changed the game there. So, so, so there's and a it, thing... And it's locally sourced if it's th- bamboo straws. That's true, but careful with the bamboo straws because uh, in terms of hygiene, because there's an issue there in terms of in the way they are treated, the material to be uh, used by many people. But that's true. It's, it, there's a lot of places right in town that use bamboo straws and metal straws. Uh, food for Thought Cafe, for example, even all those... Even if the paper straws were just made better. Yeah. The problem or, is paper straws are very thin. Or straw, or, or made of, um, they're called, um, what's that plant that they use as straw? The, the, ah, the you keep doing this motion. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps shaking his hand, and I'm thinking of something that's, completely different. That's a bartending background. <laughs> that's a bartending background. That's, I think that's every boy's background. That's a bedroom background, isn't uh, it? Different skill, but... Um, <laughs> 
the, it's a different skill in it. Shake the, it up a little what's bit. it called? The green, the, the spinach. You know the local spinach that they are like hollow inside. You can make straws out of them. Oh, do you mean? Yeah, I've mean been to, I've been to a bar that has that. They use those morning straws. Morning glory. Mor- uh, yes, I think morning glory. Mean? Yeah, yeah. Morning glory. You can use a straw. There's a, a, f- a fancy restaurant in Bangkok. Does can you that actually? Yeah, yeah. They go, you go I to a restaurant, you ask for a drink, and then they use the morning glories as straws. You eat them at the end. That's very interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't know this. Sustainable, local. I need something I need to look into because I've got a few uh, friends that have got they've got big bars in town. Mm-hmm. And I would I always talk to them and say, you know, you should do this, do that, and da da da. No, they don't turn blind it. out to you. But I didn't realize you get morning. Morning glory would possibly be the perfect straw. It's perfect. Because bamboo, bamboo is, it stays and you don't want to reuse bamboo because it can get, as you say, you can get dirt into the pores and what have you. Metal you don't want to use because they're, again, they, I don't think that's a very that's the right way to go. There's the glass straws too, made of glass. Again, that's incredibly dangerous. Yes. Well, so, that's true. <laughs> a glass straw. A glass straw. Here's a glass straw. But I do like the I do like the morning glory, the morning glory. Uh, approach. I didn't know about this. Yeah, I didn't know that could be yeah. I, I, I had it in a, 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 a nice restaurant in Central Bangkok. Okay. They do it, so they do it. Everyone can do it because the morning glories are everywhere here. So tell anyway. Tell uh, sorry, Joe. Tell us about you and, and your and Sarah and yes. the website that you have. Yes. What's all that about? So the website is basically our lifestyle that we want to share so we tr- we are nomads so we talk about nomadism and the traveling and and traveling with a purpose and slow traveling so we try to bring traveling more to that side uh, of being more conscious when you travel and also sustainability so the zero waste part mm. um, and and things like airplanes there's a big issue now there's a fly chain movement uh, happening out of I, th- I, 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 I wouldn't say it's bollocks but I think in a way it's it's exaggeration for, for, for sure I don't think that we need to go to that extreme but we do need to be more aware when we fly like too many legs uh, for example uh, if uh, I don't know if you know guys know but if you, if you travel less than a thousand miles uh, actually more than a thousand miles it's better to travel by plane it's more sustainable it less it releases less carbon yeah but less than not so much so yeah. for example when I when I used when I used to land in Bangkok and then um, I used to land in Bangkok and so um, and then I traveled to Chiang Mai by train so because it's it's so using that theory so you can do things and still travel uh, but again, not traveling at all by plane, that's not possible, of course. How do you find the trains in Thailand? Lovely. The night train is amazing. I love it. You didn't break down? No, no. Oh, look it was fine and comfy. Yeah, he's and one, of the, one of the exceptions. No, I use it many times. <laughs> comfy, really? power plugs. But I, I've used it twice. The, night, first came to the night one, I think number nine or number 13 train, because it's a specific train. All right. I don't know. I got, is... I got a train from uh, Bangkok to here. Uh-huh. And then after I've been in ATR, I went. To, I came to Chiang Mai on the train, and the sleeping train to Chiang Mai, it broke down about an hour and a half out. So we had to get, get we had to get off the train and we had to get onto the coach. Oh, got driven up to Chiang Mai instead. Oh, you couldn't continue. All right, yeah, yeah. no. So I've, I've, I've known a lot of problems that people have on the train. I think, imagine if you could put, imagine if the government put money into the into the transport into the train system in Thailand. That would be incredible because connection is is the best thing about about a city, about country. Yep. And with all the knowledge now of renewable energies and how you can make a good transport system, saving energy and more this that, and the other. Yes, renewable energy. Wow. That's true. Yeah, but well, trust sorry, me, 
Night train, the sleep train is perfect. I've used it many times, always okay. with experience. So, right. so that's a good option. So good that's traveling. Good, good, good for you. <laughs> I had to get off and get on the. Wait, wake up, wake up. <laughs> the train's broken. Get off. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I guess that's 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 a little bit annoying, but it happens. But yeah, so that's all we talk about on our website. We talk about um, this attitude is also about the sustainable kids. So we travel with our bamboo or metal straw and some cutlery because when you go to street market street food we tend there's a lot of disposable plastic so we, we use our own stuff so now we're in, we're in chiang mai now water bottle and i'd like to know how do you s- okay so for food mm-hmm. when you go out street food or if you go to restaurants where would you suggest is a good place to go to be to be completely sustainable to be a sustainable nomad like yourself so that means being, if you're completely sustainable, that really does mean being a vegan. And where would you, uh, it helps. Do, do you know, do you know it doesn't places? doesn't need to, but it helps. Well, you're not killing, well, there is an argument that saying being vegan is also not very sustainable. Yeah, it depends on what or, you eat, but I don't think you can compare in terms of resources yeah, for, yeah. I don't think that's comparable. It's just different big numbers. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, for us, uh, because we travel long time and, and you are away from your comfort zone, mm-hmm. uh, being sustainable is also being sustainable with your health. So the thing that we recommend is to try to, to eat at home as much as you can. Okay. And the, thing, the, the challenge here in Thailand is that um, it's cheaper to eat out than to eat at home. So if you go and buy vegetables in a market and then if you go and eat them in a restaurant, it's much cheaper to go to a restaurant. So it's a challenge for people. Ah, I just couldn't like having the, all the work of buying stuff and cooking when oh. you can just go out and save money, right? You say that, but if you go to the markets in Thailand, markets are so cheap. The, the main so ones. Cheap. If you got loads of Thailand, it's unlike anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, but if you go world. to a local restaurant, you still eat for 30 or 40 baht. Like real local restaurants that eat the same vegetables that you still pay 20 baht each and vegetables and then... The onion and then the oil to cook if you if you do the math it's it's amazing the price that they can do in restaurants yeah, so so for us uh, we still try it so we still eat at home like i say 80 90 percent of the time mm-hmm. and then when we go out of course we are vegans we try to eat in um, vegan restaurants that's our options we try to eat the local vegan restaurants so where's uh, your favorite street food vendor then for vegan vegan street food vendor is it, is it impossible no, it's not impossible. There's one in the market close to the night market bazaar. There's that uh, spe- specific market um, in the night bazaar. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the name of that market. There's a lot. There's some live music going on there. Um, there's a couple of nice vegan places. And then I love to go. I know it sounds strange, but in the, in my mall, yeah. uh, there's a family, a Chinese family downstairs that they have like it's like they cook like every day and it's amazing vegan food and amazing prices and they cook with olive oil which is something very rare also to find um, nothing against vegetable well, other vegetables but I do prefer olive oil mm. much well is healthier. the preferred oil to cook with uh, not exactly not exactly it goes hand in hand with um, coconut oil but they don't use it to cook it here of course mm. So the best oil to actually to cook that 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 stands high temperature is coconut oil, and then olive oil. Oh, does that withstand high heat? Yes. Okay. okay Without okay, getting yeah. burned. I've never used coconut oil to cook with. Yeah, I use it. It it brings it gets a little bit of a sweetener, sweetness yeah, yeah. flavor, which I love. Yeah. But it's not to everyone because uh, olive oil is more neutral in terms yeah, of yeah. flavor. So. Oh, but olive oil is still fine. But then when you go to other vegetable oils and that they recook and overcook and then that's not good. Let me ask for transport then, when you're in the city, mm-hmm. what do you do? I walk. 
you were everywhere. Uh, most of Are the places I walk, then I bicycle. I have a bicycle. bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they used to have like the mobile service here, which was amazing. I could just bike everywhere. Now they they're gone, uh, but uh, I still have my own bike. Now, would would you ever take an electric tuk tuk? Is oh, it new? To yes, Chiang Mai? yes. I saw in Grab. You can also yeah, yeah. you can also get an electric well, tuk tuk. It is Grab. That's the, so. What happened in Chiang Mai is Grab said, "Look, we want to take away a third or two thirds. I can't remember if it's third or two thirds." of the tuk-tuks, the, oh. the diesel tuk-tuks, and replace, or the petrol tuk-tuks, and replace them with electric tuk-tuks. And that's by, what, by next year sometime, they want to make make this happen. Oh, so that's good to slowly know. Slowly you're seeing all these these green, le- these grab electric tuk-tuks. Instead. Oh, they're all from grab then? There's no... Majority of them are, yeah. Wow, that's they, good They put a big incentive into it anyway. All right. It's, we, I'm, I'm very happy that grab started to take over a little bit because I'm, I'm a bit fed up with the, uh, with the uh, Tawang Dengs. The, oh, the the the, 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 the Dengs, yeah, because you know, they're they had a big monopoly and they yes. were made the politics in that. Even for the crazy. local for the bus, uh, I heard that they tried to implement the bus lines many times, and then there was that monopoly controlling. Yeah, and now we have a, a reasonable bus yeah. line. I I'm from the airport using the bus, yeah. and it's, so it's I think that's developing here. And the bus the bus routes are getting more extensive, more yeah. expen- uh, more extensive. Sorry, and they're going to be having like we discussed uh, a while ago, Connor. Uh, they're going to be putting in, well, they started construction apparently on the tram system oh. from Zambia Stadium to Hangdong. Oh, that's really amazing. Yeah. I don't know why I don't come through the old city. It should go to Chang, it should go to Doisaki as well. Why am I not being included? <laughs> well, it should be. It should, go, it should go down. No, it should, really, if they want it to be effective, all right, then I'll do like the Zambia uh, Hangdong route. And they should have one going from Doisaki to the old city and out to Hangdong. Well, why not, why not Sensei? Forget Doisake and go to Sensei where most other thing happens. No, both I, Sensei. <laughs> I used to, so my first house here, I lived in Sensei and I had to have a bike because there were no reliable transport into town. There's the green Songtao, but they are not yeah. very reliable. So I wish, I wish they have like some bus lines outside yeah. town or tram or whatever yeah. just to bring people in. And, and It's nice to see, it's, since I've been living here in the last three years, so maybe... Two, a year and a half, two years ago, they introduced these big buses. Mm-hmm, Before yeah. then, they weren't, they weren't Yeah, there. when I got here, they, were, they weren't here too. Oh, really? They, yeah, they're impressive. So less yeah. than two years. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Re- really nice to see Chiang Mai But it's develop. good because I, I wish that there would be like, again, that would be government policy. But for example, in China, they are completely enforcing electrical bikes. Yeah. Uh, they have cities that are only allowed electrical bikes and, and, the, and the combustion cars are allowed for a couple of more years. So I wish that these countries and allow them because the, the, the electrical bikes are so cheap now. Why don't see many here? That's because you can't charge them anywhere. You go to a wow. petrol station. What makes me laugh is there's just been a brand new petrol station built near where, where we live. Gas station, if you're American. American gas American station. Uh, just in going towards the Chiang Rai, on the Chiang Rai road. Yeah. Uh, a brand new petrol station. And it's huge. And there's no outlets for electrical cars. And you think that the government had tried... So like like in Britain, I'm not sure, I can't, I can't vouch for everywhere else because I only know really the policy in, 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 in Britain and... The what they did about the old cars said you give us the old cars and we'll give yeah, you a discount. discount yeah. Same in Portugal. On the, uh, same in Portugal. Yeah. On the on the new it might be a European thing then. Me, you, mm, the but European they stopped doing thing. it that in Portugal. No, I don't think it's European. I don't think it's all white. No. no. So. But they do it. They would, in any case for a long while in our countries they were exchanging an old car for a discount to get a sustainable, sustainable uh, electrical car, I say. And in Thailand, imagine if they did that. If they employed that over here, then all of a sudden. You'd be able to, well, it completely changed yes. the atmosphere as well, the pollution that you've experienced, I'm sure. I think it's 
Uh, yeah, that's true. And 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 uh, in Portugal, for example, I know uh, Portugal was until last year the country that had more cars uh, sold by per capita or something in Europe because of that policy. My father, for example, he has an electrical car now, a Nissan Leaf, uh, no, uh, no, no, Zoe, and it's amazing how, how things change in in a city. And if you go to Oslo, for example, in the north of Europe, half of the cars are now electrical. So it's funny because if you go on the streets, because you know the Norwegians are not like very outspoken mm. and then the cars don't make any noise so it kind of it's very quiet even though it's crowded so it's yeah. quite an interesting experience i ho just hope that it just comes here china is is now becoming the biggest producer of electrical cars in the world it's already and it's not becoming it is yeah. uh, they have two or three different brands and others um, marketed like tesla other big brands that we know from the west but they are going to take over with electrical cars and they are starting with their own or, uh, market which is smart because it's a huge market yeah, it's so I, ho market. I hope they just export and they integrate all the surrounding countries like the thailand and vietnam and all the others and become more electrical because technology is here so just need to, to use it yeah well i am a i'm an advocate of renewable energies you know making things better for the environment you know like especially in Thailand, in chiang mai when every year for now it's, it's, it's increasing the months and yeah, increasing the amount of season. pollution there is around the around songkran time and he's it's suffocating it's suffocating the city suffocating yep. the economy and if and the government said they want to try and do something about it i really hope they do because it's taking it's taking the mick now really Santa, it's a bit of a joke now yeah but i think they've been trying to do many things many times in other years and the, the issue is also, it's not just thailand right because it's all the surrounding countries also do the burning so and it's not just here it's all i i, I went to an event the other day a charity event and the guy that did the speech he, he told the numbers about burning crops or not crops but the fields before mm. the crops all around the world and yeah. in africa and everything and the impact is just it's just amazing amazing yeah. negative boy so here is a big problem because talent and is right in the middle of it yeah. but this is a, a, a world problem how to deal without burning uh, the fields to prepare for new well, crops it's funny because in britain they introduced it for two years and they got rid of it they out they, they banned it because it was so bad for the environment you'd think that it'd be so simple because you don't need to burn crops to replenish for the new crops Pardon? you don't need to it's just a, it's an old mentality, an old way of thinking. And cheaper, the same as burning plastic. People here they burn garbage on outside yeah. of the house. Like when I was living in Sensai, my neighbor just made a pile of plastic and started really? to burn. Yeah, that's very and I went. Practice. Yeah, that's really? that, that's why there's not there's not much recycling here. So they just well they need to so make a way. So they just burn it. So there are recycling plants here. It's just that you have to go to them. Yeah, but they and are private because they, they are private businesses. Yeah, you can you can sell your plastic. Yeah, yeah. You go there and you take your plastic down, and you can get money for the, for the plastic. You yeah, no, I know. But yeah. I've no idea where they are. Yeah. Where are they? Now there no there are some places in Chiang Mai, but like you said, you need to take it there. So there's no public service that collect and 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 then yeah. from from people, and that's why probably they just burn it, and then they don't realize what's happening when they burn and all. For them, it's just smoke. So maybe what we need to do is create a uh, recycling plant proper recycling uh, collection service yeah. uh, the collection service because the recycling already exists not yeah. to the full extent that it's needed but they already do some recycling here at least in Chiang Mai uh, but maybe there's a business opportunity there maybe uh, maybe there is collecting <laughs> collecting <laughs> and charging they, 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 they do it in Portugal if you, if you pay a fee and they'll collect and then there you go. The CT so collection service. Just go around on your bike and you put it <laughs> carry under your arm. Or so, do an app for that. So, Jan, we've been talking for a while. We're talking about sustainability and how you're going to Chiang Mai and what you've been getting up to. 
you've got a website. Yes. What's your website? Yeah. So it's nofootprintnomads.com. So it's all about not leaving a footprint. So no footprint and then nomads, which is the lifestyle that we have and we like to promote. Okay. And on there, you always update, weekly updates yes. on what's happening. Yes, what content doing, so. for all tastes and flavors. Yes. And I'm just wondering if we've got a takeaway. We've got a takeaway for today. I hope from today on you have some interesting tips for being more sustainable than you already were. A little bit more than yeah. today. Stop. Stop being a proud. Not fly. Don't, just take a bicycle back home. You want to go back to England? Go buy a bicycle. Go buy a bike. <laughs> hey, you, there, are, there, are, there are bikes that you can use on the sea now. All right. So there you go. So there you go. But you don't balls to go into the airplane. Right. Just use a bike with yeah, paddles. That's got this bit buoyant. There you go. Nice. And uh, yeah, always. All right then. A real takeaway. <laughs> what do you mean? Bicycle around the world. It's amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. I bet many people doing that. I think there's, we could actually do something with like that. <laughs> or auto caravan with solar power and the electrical motor. That could also work. Mm. In fact, I used to have a tutor in uni- a university of my degree and she lived in a caravan. She was a sustainable nomad. All right. And she was a, she was a juggler and she worked, she worked in a circus. Oh. She, was, she was teaching architecture. For classic nomad. <laughs> and it's the most bizarre thing. <laughs> and then she lived in a caravan. And she lived in a caravan because she didn't want to impact on, on the environment. Right. And she created her own uh, geogases or I don't know, biogases, what have you. Oh, so you run on biogas. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. super. Yeah, now there's some brands now, like I think Volkswagen is going to launch the the, the electric camper. Okay. Um, and I think Nissan already has one electric camper too. So those are good options for you to be super sustainable on the road. Mm. So after a really a very thorough in-depth conversation uh-huh. with with, uh, with Jao here, we've had we've learned a lot, have we not? Yeah, yes. we learned about the new straws that we can get going. Yeah, uh, morning glory straws. Yes. Yeah, the morning glory straws is actually. Yeah, I'll give you guys brilliant. a link about that so you can share. Oh, that is a, that is a very brilliant piece of advice because I think there's enough morning morning glory is grown in yeah, in, like, in the rivers. Yeah, they get it from rivers everywhere. So and we've got a big river in Chiang Mai, yes. haven't we? River Ping, Ping, Ping River. And in the market, it's full of morning glory. Like yeah. it's one of the staple vegetables yeah. everywhere. So if, I wonder how it tend to. Anyway, that's a great piece of advice. And thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Very You're much welcome. appreciate you coming You're on. Welcome. Uh, Thanks I'm, for the invitation. Yeah, no worries. It's, it's nice, isn't it, to have someone new on the show? <laughs> Always good to see a new <laughs> face. Right. You know, usually I'm staring at this mug instead of staring <laughs> at you today, Jeff, which is quite nice. Um, uh, for yeah. what? It's been, it's been great to take away all the advice you've given us. Thank you. So I wonder, what do you think, Connor? Do you think, would Jeff, would, would you like to join us on the, on the outro? Well, like, let's try. Yeah, you ready? Well, man, man, your stations. <laughs> All right. Is it a vegan one? Are you treating are, well the buffalo? Buffaloes are always vegan, aren't they? They just eat grass. Well, well, no, no, but you're treating well the buffalo, right? Just, the, yeah, like, not mistreating wait, like. I think is that is that the. I think it is. It's the raging buffalo. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's, it's always 